0: Okay. My patient is a 51-year-old man whose wife actually discovered a mass over his right shoulder in February of last year, of '06. It wasn't painful. A couple of weeks later, probably because his wife rubbed it a lot, it became painful. He went to his physician, received a couple of courses of antibiotics. It didn't go away. Then they biopsied it in April of '06. By that time, it was four centimeters. And the pathology showed adenocarcinoma. TTF negative. The patient has a history of 45 pack years of smoking and he was still smoking last year. A PET CT was done and that showed the mass, an uptake in the right shoulder, a two centimeter mass in the lung, right lower lobe, a one centimeter in the left upper lobe and a positive uptake in multiple thoracic vertebrae as well as the ribs. Amazing that the patient was completely asymptomatic. In addition, a biopsy of the right lower lobe mass Showed poorly differentiated adenocarcinoma, TTF1 negative, no abdominal lesions, PSA 2.1, no bone pain. He lost six pounds in the previous two to three months while all of this was being done. MRI of the brain was negative except for a couple of lytic lesions in the skull, but not in the parenchyma. And past medical history positive for well-controlled hypertension, otherwise excellent performance status. And we decided first, we want to see what you would do at this point.
1: But before we ask the faculty, Atif, can you talk a little bit more about the man and his family situation
0: and his state of mind? Yeah, he's a fantastic person. He works as a real estate agent with his wife together. They don't have children and very intelligent person. He has searched. They have family here in South Florida. He has two brothers, one sister but they don't have kids. Did he verbalize any concern or feelings about having smoked? Yes, he did. He really did. And he was very worried, actually, about his wife, that she never smoked, but she was exposed to quite a lot of the smoking he did indoors.
2: Did it look radiographically like a primary lung cancer?
0: At the beginning, when I saw it, it really did not, but reviewing everything and repeating the CAT scan of the chest, I mean, there is a large mess in the right lower lobe, yes. So, Alan, what would you be thinking at this point?
2: Well, that this could just represent an adenocarcinoma of unknown primary, which is pretty likely. And maybe second choice, lung cancer is up there because of his smoking history. But mediastinal adenopathy, none? None. So, you know, we see this. So I think he's got essentially no adenopathy and just systemic spread. So again, unknown primary or non-small cell lung cancer. I'd probably lean toward unknown primary, but probably end up treating the same anyway. Which would be with what? So if this gentleman is ruled out for all the usual issues associated with bevacizumab and is bevacizumab eligible, you could probably you know, close your eyes and give him paclitaxel carbobevacizumab.
1: Have you ever done that for cancer of unknown primary?
2: Again, what you do with cancer of unknown primary, it's either an unusual cancer that's presenting or a usual cancer that's presenting atypically. So my assumption is with all the scans and things that have done, there's no other GI potential source that you're seeing or whatnot. And so given his smoking history, you sort of try and lean toward the likely aspect that maybe it is an unusual lung cancer. And so I would sort of push it that way.
3: Ed? I tell people lung cancer doesn't have to grow orderly like ovarian or breast cancer where it starts here and then goes to the lymph nodes. I mean, this can be buckshot and this is a classic example of buckshot. Basically, he's got scattered. I tell people if you pick these like berries off of a tree, the amount of tumor burden wouldn't be very high. But the problem is, is that it's scattered. And so this is lung cancer to me. We treat it, you know, he's down the road of chemotherapy and with the first stratification is bevacizumab or not. He is a real estate agent, as you stated. So probably personal appearance wise is something that's important to him so that he can continue to work and work with his clients, et cetera. So those would be considerations that I would have in him. And what chemotherapy we you think you'd likely present to him? If his appearance and hair, I don't know if he's bald already or not, I mean, these are things can happen. He shaved
0: his head in preparation for the chemotherapy. He Uh, here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so
3: take that away from him then. Okay, that's fine. He was ready. I think you could go standardly with carboplatin, paclitaxel, bevacizumab. I tend to lean more toward carboplatin, docetaxel, bevacizumab. We have a trial. The other trial, since we're on trials, I will offer him is the SWOG study, which is carboplatin, paclitaxel, bevacizumab, and cetuximab, which is a quadruplet. I know he can take it. He's young. But as I stated before, probably insurance company will reject all those options anyway. So
1: what have you seen with the carbodose taxol? Bev?
3: Good response rates. We had an abstract at ASCO this year that had, again, it's a small phase two study, just 25 patients, but 74% response rate so far. So we're seeing responses. There is increased neutropenia. So you want to use growth factors with that
1: type of regimen.
0: So Atif, what happened? I closed my eyes and I treated him as non-small cell lung cancer. He was started on paclitaxel 225 milligram per meter square carboplatin with area under the curve of six, and bifazizumab, like Alan's study, 15 milligram per kilo every three weeks. He also was started on Zometa every four weeks. After three cycles of chemotherapy, actually something unusual, we noticed that the lesion during the nine weeks, the lesion in the right shoulder, it opened, and it started bleeding a little bit, and every time I would see him it would shrink slightly and actually at the end of three cycles the whole thing became like an empty cave the skin over it and you could see biologically that whatever I'm giving him is working at least there so Alan it sounded to me like a cavitary lung lesion on the shoulder
2: yeah exactly yeah exactly
0: and he continued to be asymptomatic but unfortunately he did well for three cycles we repeated his PET CT We do a lot of PET CTs. And the uptake in the right shoulder, it was a little bit decreased, SUV decreased, and otherwise stable disease in the lungs and bone. Not really much better. I gave him two more cycles of the same chemotherapy, the same doses. And after the fifth cycle, unfortunately, his PET CT showed a new disease in the liver. And during these two weeks, he started having more symptoms, pains, and some shortness of breath. And his performance status deteriorated really over the next two cycles of chemo. I gave him a total of five, and then he had disease in the liver. And can you kind of just complete the story? Yeah. And at that time, I went over all the options with him, and I think we radiated a couple of spots in the bone, and he wanted still treatment. And what I did, because of what I saw in the lesions over the shoulder, I thought biologically it's working. I continued with bifazizumab, but I added a lutinib.
2: And stopped the chemo?
0: I stopped the chemo, yes, after five cycles. Unfortunately, his situation kept on deteriorating. Two months later, I had to send him with hospice, and he died in February of this year. Alan, any thoughts?
2: The only comment was the actual doses for the study was 200 milligrams of paclitaxel and you know, an AUC of 6. The 225 is what we've done earlier. The 200 was just chosen. That's where the phase 2 data came from. So, But my experience is that these types of patients where you know, they present sort of atypically in the question of lung cancer versus cancer of unknown primary, whatnot, they tend to have a worse outcome than others, but they tend to do less well. This type of story is more common than... I'd have been surprised to hear that everything went away. and
1: But there is something here that, you know, was obviously unusual, and there was something as I teeth was yeah, picking up. Yeah, I think up.
2: that was sort of your you know, your lung cavity. As you mentioned already, that the lung cavitation occurred in the tumor itself and you were getting an antivascular effect or a brisk combination chemo and antivascular effect. And
1: we were talking yesterday, maybe you can just kind of capsulize it, Alan, in terms of this issue of, you know, what do you do if you start treating a patient and they cavitate in the lung?
2: The answer is you might be concerned, (laughs) but there is no right or wrong answer. One of the issues that came up is radiation therapy. Right. So the issue is if someone develops hemoptysis at any time during the treatment, you stop permanently the bevacizumab and strongly consider radiation therapy. For someone who's not hemopticizing and has cavitation, the data would be to You could consider just continuing it. I have occasionally thought, depending upon where it's located, particularly if it maybe is a little more centrally or maybe larger, to consider holding off on the bevacizumab and treatment for a little bit and radiating that area. There's no data, but we have gone back, looked at some of the phase two, phase three data, try to piece together what the risk factors may be other than squamous cell, and actually baseline cavitation before you start treatment would appear to be perhaps a risk factor, not statistically significant, but something to think about. And that may just be another poor man's diagnosis of squamous cell. Developing it during is actually you know, potentially a good thing, right? It's that it's working, but whether that's a risk for hemoptysis, we don't know. And in fact, I had a patient who's on the ATLAS study of chemo at plus minus maintenance or and had a patient of mine with a lung mass about two centimeters and liver metastasis, whose lung mass, relatively small, but cavitated, and actually contacted to make sure what they wanted us to do in this particular setting, and the plan was to just keep going. And so that's what we've done with him, and he's doing okay.
1: Is it your overall take at this point, as we've been trying to unravel this the last couple years, that the hemoptysis phenomena in general is related to tumor response?
2: We don't know officially what it's actually related to, but there's no doubt that there are some patients, because of a brisk response, are developing hemoptysis.
1: Ed, any comments on the case?
3: Yeah, this is the ignorance of lung cancer as we know it today. We can talk about all these fancy agents. We can do all this stuff. We still are one of the few cancers that cannot use pathology markers of any sort to predict prognosis. If we had a breast cancer specimen and we knew it came out a certain way, we could tell that woman, man, this is a bad looking, angry looking tumor. We need to be ultra aggressive here. This is the problem. And we, you know, we just have to get better. We're not there yet.